Hey everyone, welcome to The Survival Show Podcast. I'm David, the founder of Ultimate Survival Tips and your host for today's show. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to be better prepared and thrive in their relationships, work, and life, no matter how good or bad of a situation they find themselves in. So every week, we'll bring you a conversation with an interesting person who's demonstrated exceptional skill in an area of practical survival, emergency preparedness, contingency medicine, leadership, business, or life in general, all to help you attain your fullest potential and increase your survival IQ. So today, writer, bushcraft educator, knife designer, martial artist, outdoorsman, adventurer, and my good friend Joe Flowers and I are going to discuss a wide range of interesting topics because this dude is a really interesting guy. So in a few moments, we're going to get into the importance of discipline and putting yourself in uncomfortable training situations and how this will dramatically enrich your life, expose your weaknesses, and help you grow so you can increase your essential survival skills and have a more fulfilling life. We'll talk about how to pick a fixed blade bushcrafter survival knife and how to quickly become an expert at using it. And we'll get into the different techniques and systems that Joe and I individually use to design our knives and gear. Then we'll talk about snakes, how to identify and avoid dangerous ones, and why you should learn to love snakes even if you hate them right now. We'll discuss what bushcraft is and is not, and how anyone can get into bushcraft, and why everyone should consider doing so, regardless of whether you live in a rural, suburban, or urban area. We'll also discuss Joe's most memorable jungle adventures, and we'll get into some tips and tricks you can use to increase your situational awareness and protect yourself and the ones you love in an ever more dangerous world. Then we'll let you in on Joe's upcoming new event, the Global Bushcraft Symposium, and a lot more. But before we get into this great conversation with Joe, would you please help us out by one, subscribing to this podcast and giving us an honest five-star review wherever you listen. Two, Go check out the mothership and home base for this podcast and everything else we do at ultimatesurvivaltips.com. While you're there, you can grab your free subscription to my weekly survival emag, where you'll get tips, tricks, periodic subscriber-only discounts on my MSK1 knife and tiny survival gear, and chances to win free survival gear, guides, kits, and maybe even an MSK1 knife. Okay, that's it. Subscribe to and review this podcast and go check out ultimatesurvivaltips.com. Thank you guys for your encouragement and support for this podcast and all that we do from the YouTube channel to our MSK1 knife and the tiny survival gear brands. Thank you. Okay, let's get into the show. Joe Flowers, my friend. Man, it's been it's been a long time. I mean, COVID hit. We we missed some shows. I did not go to Blade Show this year. But uh, as I mentioned in the intro, guys, Joe's one of, I'm going to put you in probably my top 10 most interesting people I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I've I met mean, so many more interesting people than me. It's incredible. <laughs> and actually, I've probably met three or four of the other people that are in the top 10 most interesting people through you. Ah, I see, mean, there you go. I'm, I mean, you, you know, know, Matt Gorin, uh, some other folks 
that I met in Colombia. Yeah. So, For yeah. Sure. So, you, you, Condor Knives, you're a herpetologist. You'll have to tell us what that is. Beekeeper, owner of Bushcraft Global, mar- martial arts instructor, Bushcraft outdoor skills instructor, writer, and uh, you have a big event coming up. So, Maybe for people that don't know who you are or haven't, you know, haven't been familiar with your story and, and your accomplishments, maybe you can oh, give right. us a little bit of your backstory and then yeah, lead, I, us, lead us right up to where you're at today. Cool. Well, um, I, got, I got some new stories, too, to tell you because we haven't talked in a while. But I um, So I'm just a big knife dork um, like everybody else. Uh, Love knives since I was a kid. Um, went to school. Uh, for zoology, which is a uh, study of animals and minored in entomology, which is the study of bugs. Okay. Um, through that time. That. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's bugs. I'm just a big creepy crawly uh, knife and uh, Godzilla dork. And, and we're creepy crawlies <laughs> and, and, and knives, you know, really come together as a jungle um, in the swamps. <laughs> but uh, yeah, went through college, got a degree in zoology, um, but all that time started writing. Um, this is back you know, when print was a lot more popular than it is now, um, wrote for like 10 different magazines um, and uh, started dabbling in knife designs. Um, and that's kind of blown up um, a lot more. And it's been really fun because I have no engineering degree. Um, so I had to do what everybody else does and learn everything off of YouTube for uh, learning AutoCAD and stuff. Yeah, uh, David, now a lot a lot more stuff is picked up, though. I design now for uh, Condor and Tops. Those are the original guys that I've designed for. Right. Um, yep. Also, Artisan Cutlery, Work Tough, uh, CGRB, and um, uh, a few other new companies um, that uh, uh, I can't uh, talk about until they are released. Um, so the design work has, has really picked up um, big time. Um, and I got to, uh, do that also. Uh, I take people down to South America, um, to learn survival skills and bushcraft skills, which is one of my, you know, favorite things in the world, learning that from all over. Um, and, uh, now, uh, I offer trips with, uh, indigenous tribesmen in uh, South America under uh, bushcraft global. We also are doing knife making trips. Um, we're fixing for different, uh, film companies, uh, now we're putting together private trips. Um, hey, David. Nice. nice. Military yes. stuff now. Okay. Um, got to go to uh, uh, a special forces um, uh, uh, camp down in uh, uh, Florida and with a, uh, a certain uh, Green Beret group um, and working on uh, some programs to present them. Um, however, things just kind of got very complicated very quickly this month and last month. So, uh, uh I was really fortunate to go talk at the symposiums and all that stuff too. There, um, a lot of the military has been in deserts for a while. They want to learn jungle skills, and uh, they came to me, um, and I'm going to bring them to the right people if they come Dude. back from you know Europe. <laughs> right, right. Dude, that's amazing. And you've got, and we'll get into this a little bit later. You've actually got a what is it? A, a bushcraft symposium coming up yes um and yeah probably one of the more important things because the last one was in 2019 but david there's this whole world of of bushcraft and survival hardcore Mm -hmm. survival real survival Mm -hmm. um uh, from europe that the swedes like lars fault uh uh put on lars fault for instance uh created the swedish um uh, mountain special forces, um, internet guys, I'm butchering this up. If you look up cast from knives, you can find out more about Lars fault. He taught Ray Mears. Um, we got some of the biggest 
people in the world of bushcraft for real, the academics, the people who have done all the real, um, uh, uh, like, like survival books from back in the day, like David Westcott, um, who started boss Boulder outdoor survival school and Larry Dean Olson's book, outdoor survival skills, like the original guys who started experimenting with friction fire, um, all the way to Cody Lundin. Uh, these are just two Americans, for instance. Uh, Cody Lundin's uh, um, very popular because he was on Dual Survival, but he's actually a really extremely good writer and um, uh, uh, professor and uh, really gives the context of survival real well. They're pulling people from all over the world to come to this um, Global Bushcraft Symposium in England. Um, nice. Last time, it was in, in Canada. Um as far as business-wise, because I know there's sometimes a lot of questions, that changed my life for business. Um, and uh, I have been on a roller coaster ever since then with the connections that I've made, the uh, people, the inspiring talks, listening to other people in the same boat uh, I, I am, and and just really blowing my, my mind. Paul Kirtley um, is uh, uh, one of the head guys on it. Lisa Fenton um, is as well. They're both actually um, – uh, really well known in the survival uh, world, academic world. Um, Paul Kirtley has his own podcast, has a huge school. Lisa Fenton um, does too, both in um, both in the UK. Uh, they were both uh, studied and worked with Ray Mears um, like for a long time. Um, so uh, just all the heavy hitters. Um, and and I know at least for me, you know I. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done with uh, without Global Bushcraft Symposium 2019. It was the last time. I got to see Morris Kahansky alive and, you know, oh, we got okay. to meet some of these, these incredible people that have such a foundation on, on, on where people get these survival skills. Um, and yeah, they're doing it again in 2022. They asked me to come back on the board. Um, so I'm on the uh, board again. I was on the board in 2019 and um, I'm kind of a, a, a weirdo because I don't necessarily have a school. I'm more or less like a, a mutt of the knife industry and the uh, survival industry. Um, and <laughs> I've been kind of uh, uh, deemed um, a social representative of that, which is not me giving myself any sort of uh, degree or anything. I just like to cut stuff in the bush. Who doesn't? So I'm bringing over a whole boatload of free knives as giveaways. Um, and that's really fun too, because who doesn't want to be Oprah with a, with a backpack full of free knives? Nice. Nice. Well, we'll talk a little bit about, more sure. about that before uh, we end this, but it's, it's really good. It's actually part of your backstory, I yeah. think, and, and how you've uh, been able to interface with really legendary people in the bushcraft survival. Uh, kind of like years ago, when we, before we started homeschooling our kids, there were this whole cadre of people that were like sort of kind of first gen, kind of like reclaiming, like, how do you actually like homeschool your kids i mean you're kind of in right this, yeah this group where it's kind of like hey we almost lost these skills but you know let's let's work on reclaiming them and uh bringing them into uh maybe more of a modern context right i feel so bad for homeschoolers that were in covid <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i said I, I i listened to everything you just said but like the homeschoolers like oh i guess nothing's changed for us and it's just been like a quintessential change in in, in academia and how kids learn and some of the stuff that we've lost and and the homeschoolers are like oh, oh what's this we were right we got all this. along right, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just a monday well, for us well you know if you if you relate that to the times we live in like mm -hmm. you know the bushcrafters 
are going to be like, oh, you know, no big deal. Electricity, who needs it? <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, you'd, you'd think so, but like I, I, I did just finish looking up how to get satellite internet on one of my trips now just because okay. it would be cool to go on Instagram in the middle of the jungle and do a live chat. <laughs> so I, I, I still like the technology part. I'm a pretty big geek when it goes down to the internet. Oh, it's so hard to go no internet for 10 days. Gosh. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember, uh, being in the jungle. What year was that? Was that 2016? 2013, I believe. No, 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 like, no. 2016. You're right. Oh yeah. It was 2016. Yeah. And, uh, I remember we, uh, went into town and somebody was very kind to let how many, there were like 15 of us total pile into this little office and scarf off of their dial up internet, which actually didn't work very good anyway. No, I mean, uh, no internet ever works as good as the U S as far as I know. Well, it just depends. I mean, yep. I say that and then we're going to be in this podcast and all of a sudden our internet's going to go out. (laughs) But dude, uh, I tell you the trips down in South America now are so dialed in. Um, I've gotten Mm. a lot more confident um, from training from different people um, to, uh, be able to handle a lot more situations now. And I've got like 17 different ways people can contact each other. Uh, and they got 4g now down there. I mean, people really, the world changes. Oh yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I remember being in my hammock in the jungle and at the, uh, at the base camp. And when the wind blew just right and the humidity was just right, I could get a text out. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, for everybody wondering what the heck is going on, uh, when you have um, – I got this explained by a Verizon guy. You've okay. got a tower, right? And all your special cellular signals are going to that tower. Well, when it's in a congested area, the tower has to focus its signals more or less on that area. So say Leticia. But like at 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock when everybody's asleep, the signal can spread out. So I can have and send pictures ah. much better – at nighttime uh, in, in like at Tanamboca, the property where they found, you know, uh, new frogs and stuff to science, um, at like one o'clock in the morning, I send all my, my busy workout to, you know, uh, my wife, which is just basically selfies of me, like sniffing flowers or something. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, and, and that's one of the things, and that's actually, you know, that's a skill that you're used just like bushcraft and survival. You're using a skill set to adapt to any situation. I see that uh, here uh, when I'm in the mountains on some mm-hmm. of my uh, uh, U.S. Um, expeditions that I'm now leading. Um, and uh, I can tell people, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's just the same thing. It works everywhere. It's signals. Yep. It's good. So beside the fact that I know you're high on the ADD scale. Oh, God, yeah. How have you, yeah. How have you managed? I mean, it sounds like a lot of growth. And last time we talked, you were pretty maxed out already. Like, how have you become good at so many things? Uh, I think you probably, again, training, uh, energy, you know, just just maybe even from a general business standpoint, like, how how do you do it? Well, maybe some tips uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know, for me, um, especially with ADD, I mean, if you guys haven't guessed already, then I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, like using that to an advantage is 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 very important. I think probably that's why I like the jungle um, so much because, you know, there's just so much different stuff going on there. Um, and I think it, it almost helps me in that aspect. But like, 
I always try and make sure I have foundations now for some of my projects. And I've gotten so many different side projects. I need to be careful to make sure I do a good job at each one. And, and uh-huh. it, it, it's hard, David, because I know you're in the same boat, making sure that you, you put time in all these. But now, um, instead of worrying about like the, the dollar and all that stuff, I make sure I, I stay loyal to a lot of the companies like, like uh, Condor. You know, I design for them and I always uh, 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 will, you know, within reason, um, unless like an apocalypse happened or, or wars or God knows what. But um, they're my foundation, them and Tops. Uh-huh. They're where I first started. So I try and give them, you know, the best ideas. But when I'm open to them and say, hey, I'm interested in, in, in trying to do something in powder steel, they're like, oh, okay, we can't handle that. Go for it, Joe. Um, and they know, you know, it, it learns. And then, you know, there's aspects of like the different things going on in the jungle and 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 you do it too i've learned to a lot more embrace asking people for help Mm -hmm. um and uh also hiring people to help me um good good people who know what they're doing to to help me in certain projects and and it's been better so like you know a lot of times it feels like when when i'm on you know being interviewed and stuff it's like a one-man show but it, it it's not um, asking for help really, really works and people are willing to work to make you better. So that's, that's a very important aspect of it. That's really great. I mean, the whole embracing, I, I have a doctor friend, Dr. Joe, he's been on the uh, YouTube channel a few times and he said, David, you're diagnosable ADD, (laughs) but you're functionally, you're functional. You figured out how to deal with it. Right. But the big thing is that's huge, dude. Like building a cadre of people that you that you trust who are competent who believe in what you're doing too like like you can't you can't get and retain the best people if your relationships are just yeah uh, purely about you right so right right embracing help how how many knives do you actually manufacture yourself that are sold my 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 own knives none yeah i just uh so so it takes a whole it takes a whole staff of of competent knife makers craftsmen artisans to to actually put out what you prototype right right and as one example everything yeah yeah and i mean and this is very uh uh transitional to you know stuff out in the jungle too we have like a certain set of people who we know are good who we're friends with who you know, you just trust and it it's building you know a a cadre of connections but it's also just learning to trust, uh, uh, people, um, the, the right people, uh, uh, a lot more too. And that helps, the right people, you know, yeah. but the, the thing with all of these different, you know, projects and things too, is, um, we got to recognize that not all of them are going to last forever and they're cool right now. And, um, this summer, for instance, it's been project overload. I've been running like a chicken with my head cut off balancing the time with your family is going to be important. Um, and I'm trying to do that. There's no set way to do that perfectly, you know, but, um, you know, next summer, uh, uh, I'm still going to do a bushcraft global trip. Heck yeah. But now I'm starting to see David, the more fun I have and the less stress with some of these projects, Uh the 800 times more they blow up. So like, if it's like something where I'm like, all right, dude, you know, uh, this could be a, a, a fun project. It's not something that's going to make me, you know, like tons of money way down the line. But, mm-hmm. dude, I want to try and do some Frankenstein projects with this maker. You mm-hmm. know, I'm going to spend time on that because it interests me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like 
man, hey, in 2024, the Bushcraft Global Trips, you know, they're getting pretty big. They're full. I'm expanding now. I think I'm going to try and go for 15 people on this trip um, because we have the ability to get bigger boats now. Um, And that's going to be the the biggest. um, I'm probably not going to do that again. We're going to see if I have that many people actually come and all that. But uh, um, I have a second in command now, a guy who's really, really uh, uh, well to do and has done a bunch of the trips. So I have confidence taking a second group out. That helps. But sometimes, David, it's hard to manage 10 people out in a jungle environment, actually more in the town of Leticia because everybody's running around trying to take pictures. Um, And so like for 2024, I might just say, hey, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to go down there with five herpetologists and we're just going to blow up looking for a new species of frog. And that's going to be my vacation. But I still think um, somebody's going to want to pay to come on that trip. Yeah, definitely. So Dude, being able to go like, hey, I'm going to have a break, you know, this summer, that's important too. Here's a couple of things I'm hearing from you. And this was the, actually a topic we talked about maybe doing, and then we decided not to do it. And we're kind of yeah. like back to it. It's not, it was, yeah, no, it's this, this is like, <laughs> this is like the bonus content first guys. So yeah. uh, one thing I hear you saying is, is uh, help is important and doing mm-hmm. everything with excellence. And just back to that, um, uh, in a, in a second, you can think about this. I'm sure. just going to ask you, like, I'm assuming you, you like had a day job or have a day job or like back in the archives of your mind, you remembering at some point working for somebody else. And I'm going to ask you, maybe I'll just ask you right now. How did yeah. you go from, from there to being able to do things maybe that you love more and kind of, I'm going to say, you know, it, this kind of like independent entrepreneurial yeah lifestyle that you live well there is there is a um couple of things one um and just disclaimer guys we're probably not gonna talk about money but it's not making that much money so don't think i'm like rolling in dough or anything like some of the other uh uh, people who are really successful on youtube let let me stop you do you make (laughs) do you make enough money yeah oh yeah and there's another thing too do you enjoy what you're doing heck to the yes okay okay good (laughs) so yeah and and so there's a side rant, rant there but um um my knee is actually the answer to that question. My knee. Oh, I, I so, don't know the story. Yeah. I uh, loved martial arts, black belt, still love martial arts. Um, in, in Shotokan karate was a MMA uh, a striking coach, a cutman, all that stuff. Even when you knew me. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, four times a week, five times a week, I uh, had a dojo that I, uh, um, I didn't own it because it was f- with the wellness center. Um, but oh, it's my okay. passion. Don't make a lot of money on it, but I don't have to go over overhead and try and recycle students all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, between that and the jungle stuff, um, I uh, tore my ACL for the second time, um, had reconstructive oh. surgery on it, and then uh, was doing backflips and almost tore it for a third time. And um, talked to the orthopedic surgeon in 2018, and he said, Joe, you are taxing yourself like an athlete, but you don't have an athlete's body. <laughs> And, um, too much horsepower uh, you either... on your joints, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of like the Ford versus Ferrari thing. Um, right. yep. but long story short, he said, uh, bushcraft stuff or, or martial arts. So one of the hardest things in my life, David was uh, telling all the kids and, and the adults and stuff that I trained that I had to uh, close down the dojo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I'd search for somebody else cause it's the only dojo in our County. We're out in the middle of nowhere. 
um, to, for, to come up, but nobody would come up. Uh, this was just for a few months up until something weird with the virus happened and the whole world had to close down. Um, uh-huh. So honestly, it was kind of a godsend um, because uh-huh. I don't know how I would have kept up during COVID. Um, with the influx of people moving out of big towns to small towns, um, a new new instructor came and, and took over and he wasn't bushcraft knives herpetology godzilla uh uh um you know eight thousand you know interests he was just all martial arts and so he could put the time in that i really couldn't but with that i found you know a a new vigor um i still train downstairs i'm careful on my knee but uh, i actually god forbid haven't had any knee problems since then so wow he was like kind of (laughs) right So, nice. um, nice. yeah, and uh, it, it's helped. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like, you know, that was a passion, right? But that was a day job that I had a responsibility um, mm-hmm. that I, I had to make a big choice on. And I think a lot of people have to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. So, I mean, it is true. There's a lot of things going on. I have, I have, we have a, uh, Friday morning, just kind of like an organic group of a bunch of guys that go to our church and we just get together and talk about life, pray for each other and all that. And uh, I know two of the guys in our small group there, they work remotely and they're in the uh, computer programming, cybersecurity fields. And there's so many things going on internally with these just cultural things that I won't get into any politics oh, yeah, in the yeah. podcast, but these cultural things that are going on that are making them feel very uncomfortable. And, you know, and, and so like, they're kind of at a point where they have to fix themselves and they're both extraordinarily talented with skills that, that are very uh, marketable in other places. And, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, we see the, the building crumbling, in some places, maybe. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a good analogy. But you need to get away from the building and, and you know, get get somewhere. So maybe maybe for you, um, just you, you are a listener, maybe you've been de- dissatisfied with your work. Maybe you've got some, some goals and dreams that you'd like to accomplish. Maybe you're, maybe you're really struggling to put together a preparedness plan or whatever, and you live in a really urban area. You know, to be honest with you, you may have to fix your location even. So um, I don't know if you you have anything to speak to that. And then I'm just going to ask you maybe a couple of situational awareness and self-defense tips and tricks too. So go wherever you want from there. Yeah, well, um, so before that, you know, entomology, study of bugs. I still absolutely love bugs. And I still absolutely love um, zoology and academia. Um, I, I lived in the B-Lab, this is in Raleigh at NC State uh, University um, for a while. The B-Lab was a house, and I was always around academia, um, and I really loved that. And I was very comfortable making not that much money, but working out in the field with bees. Nice. Um, then, um, you know, I met my wife, my wonderful, amazing human who I could not do anything without. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of knew she was the one. Um, and then this is just an example, guys, listeners of, of change and stuff. So um, my boss went up to Pennsylvania. I didn't want to go with them because I met this girl who uh, I thought was my forever girl. Um, and I had to find a different job. 
So with my degree, I went to a biotechnology company um, and they did testing on insects for uh, corn, um, which is important, guys. Uh, I'm not going to get in any sort of uh, biotechnology uh, route, but I was stuck in a lab mm, mm-hmm. just pipetting all day long. Wow. And here like, I, you know, be like caging you. I would. Say. It was, it, it, and it was at least, you know, mentally. I was like, all right, I'm just going to stick around here for three months and make bank, and then I'm going to move with my wife up to. She had a battle plan for like a life mission, and and I was like, all right, um, I'm going to marry her, so I'm coming along for the ride. So if I would have stayed in that job, in that area, I probably would have lost my mind. Honestly, um, the pay was great, but I can't be buried with the pay. And, um, I didn't have kids at the time, so it's a little easier for me to, to say that that's important too. You know, when you have kids, you're worried about the legacy that you have and the, the foundations of getting them to college or, or just having, you know, money for family. Let's just be honest. It's, it's important to consider the chapter of your life. Yeah. And that's, that's important. Yeah. So before that, you know, we didn't have kids moved up to the middle of nowhere and left that biotechnology job, even though I could have really worked on it and probably would have made a really good salary by now. I kept the writing on the side. It'd be hard to be a full-time writer. You have to really um, do stuff out, uh, uh, get stuff out. But um, then I picked up, you know, teaching martial arts uh, on the side up where I live. And that was very fulfilling. Um, and, I, and I still love it. And it was hard to, to leave that fulfilling job to make, you know, the, the bushcraft stuff happen. But there are these things where I just decided to pursue what I liked. And mm-hmm. there are ways to make money with that, like such as, Joe likes bugs. Joe worked for biotechnology company. Joe made money. Joe made lots of money. Joe not very happy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I changed that and now I'm having a better balance. So don't be afraid to make decisions that can change your life, but they don't have to be overnight decisions. I think, David, maybe some people always think, man, I have to do this or this, Mm -hmm. you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And yeah, it's not a binary choice. You can start, for instance, uh, uh, Ben Peterson, depending on when you're listening to this, it may be the podcast before or after we're going to talk about uh, just kind of starting a side hustle, right? That's yeah. how I began a, That's how I got a couple it. of our businesses, right? Yeah, same deal. My side hustle was writing and my side hustle became yeah. designing. And then after 10 years and over 200 designs uh, later and, and, and 150 with just one company, you know, um, which sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not, I don't mean it to sound that way. It's just what happens after 10 years on anything that you do, whether you it's do one at a time, you yeah. add them up, it's, you get better, it's like seven you get or eight better at what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you get better at what you do because you're doing it more. So all of a sudden, right, I bet you right. you're way more faster at editing videos now than you used to be. No comment on that. <laughs> That's what producer but, Ben's for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I bet you he's, he's much better oh, you know, at, oh, yeah. at it than yes, he yes. used to be. Yeah. And, yep. and, and so, like, guys, you, you can have these little eggs, and you can take care of them and culminate them and just make sure you're having fun with them. And they may not be, you know, money makers, but if they make you happy and you do that, you know, go for it. That's really good. I, I uh, stopped writing. This is just me personally. And I have, um, I do write still from time to time when it's a, an article that inspires me. But like for writing, it got to the point where I felt like I had to go outside every day just mm-hmm. to take pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot what it was like just to go out and use one of my old crusty moras 
and stuff. And now I finally like got myself back into that to figure out what I like. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to make that mm. decision too. So I kind of started telling people, yeah, I'm not interested in reviewing anymore. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather go out and do it. <laughs> That's a really good point. I mean, we, we, this, this whole thing that we're doing now started from a YouTube channel, right? Years yeah. ago. And, and honestly, things changed, you know, 2016, there was a big algorithm change. It seemed like any time, even though we were well within the rules, any time we did bows and arrows or firearms reviews or anything like that, we would get slapped back. And I was getting kind of burnt out anyway. And I had some ideas for knives and gear and stuff like that. So we launched MSK One Knife and the Tiny Survival brand eventually. And gee, honestly, we don't do that many re videos now. It's not, you know, we've got a pretty big audience. It's just you kind of get burnt out from things, right? So Yeah, I've, you can, you can. I mean, I was finding that people, people thought, and people probably think, think this with you too, like Joe's always out doing an adventure. <laughs> David's yeah. always out in the woods. Like we've had interns come here and they're like, yes. And they're like 80% of our time sitting behind a computer, you know, editing a video or a podcast or, or something like that. And man, you know, it's a lot of work. So what I've, I've been doing exactly the same thing. I pretty much set aside the latter end of May into June to literally, you know, it's been like an 80, 20, 80% 80 of my time has been out. Uh, we started an organic farm. Uh, oh, cool. And I, um, I'm writing a, a book on preparedness. And so, you know, we increased our, you know, our, basically our gardens and you know just some preparedness things that were were you know kind of like know, the next the, step and just getting out and, and doing you know getting out and doing stuff and dude, doing and the stuff you that you enjoy that, yeah when you share that david like you're you're, you're going through like hey guys guess what i'm doing today i'm, I'm mixing up the topsoil for my tomatoes and you just like <laughs> post that you know like it's content that creates itself i from doing and I swear to God, nowadays people like that more than they like even seeing reviews. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, pr and I probably, I probably should do that. I should probably do that. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, but, but yeah, basically the same way. Like getting back to, getting back to doing the things that got you into it anyway, and the things that you enjoy now, actually makes you more productive on those sit down things. Like, yeah, right. Like writing an article, writing a book you know, having to just kind of plow through, Hey, I've got about three or four knives I got to do. I need to just go spend today out in the woods with my, you know, my favorite knife that I ever designed or whatever. Right. 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 And you know, when you do that, you know, it, it kind of inspires, inspires you too. like, yep. I, I'm at like, maybe it's just from, from designing all that, but I'm like, man, I really enjoy using other knife designs too now. Um, just mm -hmm. to appreciate the knife more. And it kind of gives a, and a more of an artistic spin on, on, on night design, but it just, I, I don't like, I stopped caring, you know, about the trolls and all that on, on, on YouTube saying this, that, and the other. And I'm just, no, I'm going to go appreciate knives more rather than trying, you know, like show people what, what, you know, this night does. And it's, it's gone so much. It's been cool. And, and when you do that, when you like show people, Hey, you know, today I don't want to review this tarp. I want to go outside and till my uh, garden and I'm just going to do a live thing. And if you guys can just ask or say anything, go for it. And it's been fun. Nice. I, and I probably should do that because 
ultimately, you know, that's that's the real stuff, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, like, <laughs> it's that whole, like, six feet for the rich guy, six foot for the poor guy. Yep. Good stuff. And, so uh, back, to, back to martial arts. How about a couple of tips or tricks? You know, things are can get pretty scary out there for people depending on where they live and and all that uh maybe one or two tips and tricks on situational awareness or self-defense how can people be a little bit more prepared well um you know martial arts wise we have to be careful because we'll we'll sit here and waste three hours i have like a unspoken rule that i never talk about martial arts to bushcraft people or survival people because either (laughs) i'll never be quiet or somebody else will never be quiet and then another guy i swear every single bushcrafter has like uh, did black belt stint in something and black belts are pretty rare. Um, so that's, it's kind of neat that way, but situational awareness, um, knowing what's going on around you is probably one of the most important pieces of, of, um, our human story and how, where we are today. And that can be martial arts related where you want to be, you know, aware of where a guy's eyes are when you're getting ready to uh, spar with them or, or whatever that way. Or it can just be practices that you can just start adapting uh, just to be more aware of what's going on in your situation, which sounds like, okay, man, I want to be careful in case somebody's mugging me. No, dude, it can be just as good being aware of the situation so you can tell your wife where she put her phone. Mm -hmm. And so there are little things, little tips that you can do to practice that instead of focusing on different details around you. And this is really good, especially for ADD people. Um, that I've read, I believe in, uh, I think the book is called warrior speed, I believe is where I got this tidbit from. Cause I don't just make this stuff up most of the time. Um, and looking at specific objects when you're, when you're walking, like in a new situation, try and remember the color of certain spots and where things are. Uh-huh. Um, and that helps you can create like a mind map. Okay. So, all right, now I know where the exits are when I'm in this theater. All right, cool. All right. That dude had a really big backpack. That's awesome. What backpack? Oh, 511 tactical. Cool. Okay. They got that one from, you know, here. Oh, okay. Now he's the only one with the big backpack in this whole group where somebody's missing a phone and everybody else is wearing swim trunks. So maybe that's a good place to look. You know, being aware of these situations around you is um, very important to start appreciating the details of things. And we have that, David, in our minds. Mm-hmm. And it's, th- it's just a matter of like maybe cognizantly filing it, right? I mean, right. the, um, turning, turning it on and, and, and yep. actually, you know, I think the Matisse after I've, I've developed like a much better and closer relationship with them, uh, like the, by, Matisse, for, the Matisse yeah. are who, uh, the tribes that listeners. we went down with. Yeah. The yep. Matisse is a tribe that was first contacted in 1975. Hey, I just saw a uh, Tumi on, uh, uh, the first trip last year, the same Did guy you? with the ear missing from the, yeah, yeah. um, with the uh, boat motor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and got to, to talk to him a lot more. And, uh, um, nice. I got to see another one that you uh, met, uh, Iban or to me. Okay. No, I can't yeah. remember who before, but anyway, watching them walk and know where everything was in camp was really neat. And then mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Gorn talking to Gorn, Gorn, how do you always know where that stuff is? He goes, well, I start paying attention to small details and it paints a big picture. So the, uh, uh, the big stuff's obvious. I can know where the, the boat paddle is, but, oh, um, okay. you know, now we're, now I know where that little Bluetooth speaker is so we can go get it and listen to some cool jams. You know, that, that helps. And, um, the Matisse do that too, but they're looking at leaves. 
and they're looking at little changes in, in the certain way uh, branches break. And taking the same little attention to de- detail makes you become a good tracker out in the bush. Mm-hmm. And that same little attention to detail when you're walking maybe in, uh, uh, I don't know, a sketchy area in, in some big city. Let's say uh, uh, everybody seems to pick on New York. Um, let's say Sacramento or something. I don't know. Uh, not sketchy, but I'm just giving you an example. Um, knowing situationally a little bit more details like okay there's a big white van with its engine on on the other side of the street uh, or on my side of the street i'm going to move over just in case and go to the other side of the street paying attention to those little details can help your situational awareness big time and people don't realize that nowadays and i'm definitely one of those um uh, uh who's catching myself looking at my phone and not being aware of what's going on around me. And, and now that I can catch myself more, I'm able to fix it. And it's helped a lot more. Mm, That's really good. So you can take that same situational awareness that you have from trying to find wife's phone all the way to tracking an animal, all the way to uh, uh, making sure you don't get mugged. And it's really important just by appreciating small details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's great. Yeah. Craig talks a lot about focus lock, like your phone mm-hmm. gives you a focus lock and then you start being, stop being aware of what's around you or being so involved in a conversation that you, you know, you, you've walked two blocks and you don't even know what's been happening around you. Um, right. Yeah. And then the other thing you were talking about was basically baseline versus disturbance. You go out in the woods and you look at a place, you know, a group of leaves on, on the ground that nobody's trampled on. And then you look at one closely where somebody has traversed across it, you see a big difference. But if you don't compare, if you don't know what the baseline is, I mean, this applies in an urban situation. What's, what's a normal, what's a normal situation in a group of people uh, at a, at a restaurant and somebody comes in, they're looking around, they have a big backpack, they have baggy pants, you know, maybe that's something you need to be aware of. So that's all good, Joe. That's great. That's great and stuff. you don't you don't have to be be paranoid, guys, um, uh, about yeah. stuff too. But it does help. You don't have to be outwardly paranoid. Like <laughs> I remember situational awareness the other day, guys. Here's a fun uh, story, and I'll try and keep it short. Um, we were out there with uh, uh, doing an exchange, and the package was my two kids, and the exchange was a parking lot, and uh, uh, the deliverer was the in-laws. Uh, we had to pick up my uh, kids who were at my in-laws for a few days. And uh, Liz goes, oh, look at that bad guy. And I immediately like stopped what I was doing and, hmm. and just looked over my head. And sure enough, there was somebody in glasses and a, uh, uh, a hoodie, a black hoodie and black ski mask or a hoodie or um, black uh, COVID mask and glasses and in a, a hoodie in a car like in the next thing over. And I said, hey, Anita, we need to wrap this up and go now. Mm-hmm. And uh and I told, I just made it very awkward and told everybody to get in the car and just left and said, Anita, you need to go. And she sat there on her phone and waited forever. And so I just sat there honking, honking, honking and, and, and doing all this stuff. And, and I'm like, Ashley, you see this over here. This is not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally, you know, 
Anita kind of, oh, he said the name, sorry, whatever. Um, the, the person got uh, uh, and, and left in her car and the person, the sketchy person got out of their car. And it turns out it was a girl going into a restaurant. And I think maybe she was really hungover or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, she looked like a server or somebody who was working there. Um, okay. So I was entirely wrong. But I used a little detail that my children picked up to avoid mm-hmm. a, a, a possible bad situation. This person looked like they were ready to do yeah. a, a, a car, car rob, a carjack. But they weren't. I was wrong. But, um, you know, just those small little details of looking around me, that one was a big blinky one. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I should be a little bit embarrassed about it, but I'm not. <laughs> no, not at all. It's better to be too aware than not aware at all, right? Oh, that's it, dude. I think so. Yeah. So that's and, good. And, and it's really interesting, too, because that's exactly where I would have gone with situational awareness. So much can be avoided if, you know, even in, in some of these horrific shootings and all that that have taken place had people responded respond and i don't want to second guess but yeah yeah had there been early responses or people uh some at least orange flags going up and people being aware um you know you may not even need to go into a self-defense or a protective right uh, saves you energy Right. So yeah. um, real quick, uh, another tip, guys, for situational awareness. We can tell you to, hey, everybody, okay, be situational aware. Done. Yay, we did it. Um, uh, a fun one that I like to use uh, that uh, uh, I, I read in the book is um, when you t- uh, for hearing, when you take your chin and you put it a little bit lower and then stick it out like you're trying to uh, uh, shave or something, um, that opens up your, your hearing canals, uh, depending on the person and how their ears are shaped, even up to like 10% more. And then when you really? cup, yeah, then when you cup your ears with that, you can hear up to like 40% more. And the cupping the ears, of course, is a device that even mammalians um, uh, use for, you know, pointing ears and stuff. And everybody's done that. But uh, that's one thing. For the actual process of hearing, instead of focusing right around you, try and pretend that you're trying to hear far away. So let's say you're on one hill. Pretend you're trying to hear beyond that hill. And then all of a sudden you start hearing a little bit more of the details in between you and that, that, that point. It doesn't like me. It's not anything magic guys. It's not anything quantitative, but it helps you be more aware. So that's just one situational awareness for hearing. Try and listen for the hard stuff to hear. And then the louder, uh, less obvious stuff is more, more obvious afterwards. That's really excellent. Very good it's stuff people can do right now. Yeah. Appreciate that Joe. Cool. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, what do you want to talk? You want to talk about knives, snakes, or bushcraft, or adventures? Uh, we, can, we can put it all together. Um, all right. So I just uh, it was really you love cool because I went to right? yeah yeah I went to a zoo yesterday. That's right. I texted and, you. You're like yeah yeah <laughs> right right yeah. It, it was really quick, and the reason why I was uh, uh, trying to be so quick was um, one of my uh, uh, really close friends. He was in my wedding. One of my um, uh, groomsmen. Um, he works at the zoo, and he he works uh, uh, behind. Um, the scenes, you know, in the, in one of the exhibits and, you know, gets to show me some of the stuff that, uh, oh, uh nice. just being a, a, a nerd can do, but he's like, yeah, Joe, you know, I, I, I need like three less expensive machetes, um, for this area. And I'm like, okay, you, you, you got my, uh, attention. Why do you need machetes in the back <laughs> of a sterile zoo area? And he's like, there's nothing better to chop up these little pieces of mice all the way to the large chicken with. And I need mm. something 
that um, is soft enough that it can handle the bones and re be refiled. But um, I need, we get interns and these interns beat the snot out of my blades. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I got some uh, back at my place. Imakasa makes some um, uh, lesser quality stuff and I have a belt sander. I can put a meteor edge on there. Um, and I had to modify the edge um, for his use. I will have to modify the edge for his use for more of a choppy uh, setup rather than like a, a high grind for uh, a Scandi stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he's like, yeah, man, we need to do some uh, uh, meat craft with the machetes. And then occasionally they have to uh, uh, um, clear out some of the, um, you know, the streamside exhibits and things that they have. So it was really neat to see that whole thing together. And he personally remembers um, him and I were published together in a uh, scientific journal because uh, we found um, uh, a new uh, a new locality for snakes. Guys, listeners, that just means a snake was found like 100 miles further than where they thought it was. Um, hmm. And this was a big deal in the Florida Keys. And while we were in the Keys, um, I was starting to write for knife magazines and I was testing um, blades to review down in the keys when, when we did all that, it was really cool to oh, nice. start from reviewing all the way to being there now and being like, yeah, man, I can get you some blades for, you know, your job in zoology. Um, it, it was really, really cool. And a lot of those when guys you, are When you have passion. Yeah. Just want to pop in here. Another thing I'm hearing from you, when you have passion towards something and you're doing things with excellence, I think that opportunity will eventually find you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, uh, it, I mean, it has for me, I think I've just been really, really lucky guys, honestly, I have to, you know, mm -hmm. go to church mm -hmm. and thank God about it. But, uh, I've just been very, very, very lucky and, and opportunities do come for everybody. Um, we just try and, and harness them more. And, and I think that's like a big part of bushcraft and, 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 you know, everything with survival tips is you're using opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, Being aware of what's around you, utilizing what you have, developing your skills, challenging your mind to figure out alternative ways to do things based on what you do have, not focusing on what you don't have, all that sort right. of kind of stuff. Yeah, and that it just it's it's it works very very well, and I think that's where you know a lot of people in the, in the outdoors or or that like to do this type of stuff, um, get get their get their passion inspiration from. And no matter, but no matter how hard I tried, I was not able to climb that, that, uh, coconut tree or that oh, palm tree me, down in, me. uh, down in the Amazon. <laughs> I still need to get better at it. As we're speaking right now, I have uh, huge scabs on my inner biceps of, uh, of, uh, both trees and a bruise from climbing it just the other day. Cause I suck at it too. And so I just wanted to get better at it. And so, so what are you, what kind of tree are you climbing? I mean, you're practicing on a tree where you're at, right? You're in, yeah. maybe in Florida or are you still in No, no, I'm North in North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. I'm, I'm up yeah. here for the long run. Um, okay. I'm using a pine tree or whatever trees I can find guys. We're talking about a skill set that we learned from uh, different tribesmen down in the jungle in a tropical region where they have to use basically vines or, or straps or even their belts um, to uh, make something to climb up a tree. And once you get the mechanics of it, um, it's easier, but these guys have been doing it their whole lives. So they're like Spider-Man. Um, they're way better than us at it, but it's cool to be able to try and be able to kind of do the crayon drawing version of it. Um, so like, I don't know when, when we talk about excellence and doing stuff with excellence, um, I'm getting more comfortable where I'm at and accepting, all right, dude, no matter what, there's going to be, be people who are going to be able to pick this up right away. Like the climbing. 
um, mm-hmm. or who are way better craftsmen. But I'm just going to be really good at uh, making sure people have fun trying it out. And, and that, that helps too. That's great. So, with, so you love snakes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how, can, can you convince, can you convince those, those that do not like snakes, including my wife, why they should? Well, you know, people <laughs> seem to be afraid. We're talking with the jungle and, and knife stuff and everybody thinks about the jungle being covered in snakes. Um, I, I normally go down to the Everglades to uh, uh, photograph snakes because it's way more easy to find snakes there than it is in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I like I'd snakes agree. a lot agree because yep. in, in, you know, I honestly can't really tell you why I like snakes and, and, and creepy crawlies and, and Godzilla that much, but they're like a, a very alien animal, um, that, uh, you know, a lot of people just, uh, have an aversion to. And, um, when, once you figure out, you know, to, to get over some of these aversions, you realize, oh man, you know, they're, they're not out there to uh really hurt you and even showing people like your wife or even the matisse you know who have lost god knows how many pe- how many people to snake bites because um you know they they have uh, um they're they're very far from from civilization you know e- even they start to understand you know once you understand something that you're afraid of you can learn to avoid it more mm-hmm. and um you know for me i'm really obsessed with them i i uh, uh i'm not as obsessed as some of my zoology friends but um uh, it's really fun to get out in the bush and look for them. And it's almost like a video game when you're trying to search and search and search and you find one and then you find a rarity and, and you go, all right. And, 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 or you see like a different variation of a snake, uh, or, or you find a, a snake where you don't expect it. It's, it's really fun. And, and when you see these beautiful creatures and you realize, uh, what they're all about, uh, I don't know, it's really easy to make a, a case for them, but, um, you know, I also have been in the, in the South, been living in Southeast most of my life. So I'm very used to people wanting to kill him as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, you know, the, the snake thing has been really, really cool passion of mine. And I've kind of combined it in a couple of knife designs. Um, the Jorge, one of the designers from uh, uh, Condor, um, like, was just like, Joe, you like snow snakes. Check this out. And he made like a really cool snake themed knife. Um, and I was like, wow, we, we have this capability. He's like, yeah, think about a whole series. Um, so there've been various nice. knife and machete designs such as the Atrox and the Vipera, um, and stuff that has been out there that have the, the snake feel to them and the snake names. Don't you have one that's, uh, like a dinosaur? What is it? Yeah. The pterosaur. The pterosaur. Yeah. Yeah. You might yeah. have, um, yep. It's my first polypropylene um machete handle design which is basically like an injectable plastic Mm -hmm. but i've had the design since 2009 back when i just started designing i just designed with custom makers um just be like hey man wouldn't it be cool if we tried this and one of them was a pterosaur and so um the pterosaur was uh, a couple of different makers have made it um off the map custom knives uh dogwood custom knives uh dan eastland Mm -hmm. who you know Yep. Um, he makes them and uh, a fiddleback forge for uh, made them for a while. Um, and so Condor was like, Joe, we want to come to you with, uh, you know, a uh, uh, injectable design. I said, all right, do it at this price or I'm not going to let you uh, uh, or no, I wasn't that, you know, uh, things. I said, I would really think we should try and make the uh, MSRP this price because um, 
uh, that's, I'm, I'm cheap too. Um, and so, and I really knew this design forever. And I was like, if we're going to do this, we're going to hit the ground running. And so I, I brought the pterosaur to them and I've got 300, $400 knives. Um, and I still am using this $50 orange handled knife down in the Amazon all the dang time. Mm-hmm. I got one etched with Godzilla on it. Cause I'm a huge nerd, but this same, um, knife and it comes in multiple colors. Alberto, this Yukuna tribesman was just wailing at a uh, at a at a log cross grain, doing all this stuff that would make even the worst um, YouTube knife reviewer like cringe. And it was just a Monday for him, and he was doing it with that knife, and and um, it was really cool to see you know people go through and do that stuff with the with a uh, a less expensive knife out there. And so the pterosaur is a really um, interesting design it's not like groundbreaking it's got all the bushcraft feel point down center line uh scandy grind uh comfortable handle um and it's just been very very popular and i just like it because it's like the disposable knife i grab to go get stuff done you know and just get work done and and be done with it no okay this has gone through a cayman's head this has done its work it's not that great at being a machete but that's why i have a machete with me you know and or it's not that it, – yeah, you can baton with it, but I always have an axe with me because I just carry way too much gear. So, <laughs> <laughs> And you're fit enough to do so. Yeah. Well, also, also too, you know, in, in the situations down in the jungle, you know, we change it up. Um, our last three trips, David, uh, barely any backpacking. Um, we come to these giant lush lakes and go crazy catching peacock bass and giant fish and lots of different um, animals. And then we have made it in a certain area where we can go deep into the jungle um, um, and then come back to the base camp so we can kind of get the best of like the lake life. And then that, and then if you're bored, you can take the, uh, the dugout canoe out and go get yourself a peacock bass, which, you know, normally costs like five grand to get like a, a, a a peacock bass trip, but uh, they're, they happen to be out in the water. Um, Nice. And so, like, we can carry more gear, <laughs> a lot more gear. That's I'm really thinking cool. about bringing an inflatable duck, like one of those <laughs> giant pond ducks, just to be that annoying to people on the next trip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, so since we were talking about knives, how about a couple of tips for people to pick their pick a fixed blade, bushcraft survival or utility knife? What do you What do you look for, and Man. what do you recommend for people? I'm, you're like, gonna hate me. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm going all over the the place now. I used to be like, buy this knife from this company. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, maybe, just can, ge- maybe yeah. even just general principles or no, definitely shapes. Yeah, the biggest thing I would say instead of saying you know shapes and all that stuff, get out there and start using it. Mm-hmm. Get out there and just whittle yourself sticks. Get used to using a knife. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. I love this. I was talking with Ethan Becker of Becker Knives the other day. Mm-hmm. He's like. No matter how many knife guys you get together on a table, designers, knife makers, all that, nobody's probably nobody's going to talk crap about a Victorinox Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. And they're excellent steel, a good, you know, folding knife that everybody watched MacGyver when they were back in the day. Go out there, grab a Victorinox and start whittling like crazy and start forming stuff and getting good with that knife. Then Buy yourself a little bit cheaper fixed blade if you want to. 
um, be it, you know, some of the different popular companies that are out there. You can pay $100 now and get some good American-made fixed blades. Um, you can pay $10 up to $50 um, and still with some companies find lifetime warranties. If you're doing a lot of woodwork, you know, Scandi edges are where it's at. Um, that's a giant big bevel and you guys can Google this later. Um, if you don't do a lot of woodwork, buy a Scandi anyway, like a cheap $10 one and just see how much you use it when you're moving around. Cause everybody's like, yeah, I got to get this one knife to do everything. And I'm so, over and that would that be, now. that would be like your Mora, your Mora. Yeah. Yeah. Like a your Mora. best choice there. Yeah, yeah. I've got 30 Moras. Um, yeah, I do too. <laughs> and, and yeah, who, who doesn't? They're, they're a great company and they, they've got really good heat treats and, and um, there are other companies out there, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and pump my companies cause I'm designing for many now, but when you start working with the tool, you can give the Matisse tribe a broken piece of glass and they can gut an eel better than you can with your like a uh, uh, really expensive knife that I may have on my side and, and they can do so much stuff. So getting more comfortable with yourself, with the knife, I think is almost more important than the knife itself in some cases. Cause when you have that skill set, you can rely on what's in your pocket or what you find in your car you know, to make something work. And I think, you know, that way, even, even people, you know, who are stuck behind, uh, uh, and guys, I am right there with you. I've got two screens, uh, LED, uh, uh, Corsair keyboard, even people stuck behind a keyboard can go outside and get themselves some whittling time. And then when you start forming going, gosh, this knife works really well for this part of my hand. When I'm doing this, you can start picking up the blades that work well for you. And then you can be like, man, that's a really ugly uh, blade shape, but uh, I really like the handle on that. And you can pick it up and then go, gosh, I, I, I see, you know, the benefits of this or, or this knife's too flat. This is perfect for like EDC stuff, but I'm not going to carve a, 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 a trap with this one right. for like three hours. But you have it on you if you need to open up an Amazon box um, and, and you have it on you when you're like waiting in traffic and have, I don't know, a, a, a chopsticks from the Chinese food restaurant and you want to, you know, play around in traffic, you know, right outside your, uh, uh, thing. <laughs> Make which actually, sticks. <laughs> yeah. I actually pulled that from a book guys. That's uh, I think one of the books is called whittling and it talks about the Victorinox knife. Um, and I'm using the Victorinox knife as a base point because everybody seems to have one in their drawer. And once you become more comfortable with that foundation, you can start picking your three hundred dollar Porsche knife, or your, or your, you know, knife made out of best car steel, or, or or something that way. And and I think having those foundations, um, kind of like the take home message here is mm-hmm. just go out and actually do some stuff and challenge yourself with crafts, um, and and that's you know much more fun. And I'm like the biggest uh, hypocrite saying that too, because I'm the most horrible carver ever. <laughs> you know that's actually the first time i ever heard anybody talk about not necessarily the the uh, features or functions or shapes of a knife but really focus on yourself and get some skill there's there's a really cool analogy that i heard on one of my first trips um i can't remember if you met no you were you did not meet pipe um, but, uh, this, this gentleman was a great Colombian craftsman, bushcrafter, survival guy. Um, and he came on one of the trips and he goes, Oh, it's not the bow. It's the, uh, archer. And, and I, I ooh, sat ooh. there and I was like, wow, he's, he's right. Because there's a guy who can take a broken butcher knife and make it work better than I ever could. 
um, with my expensive $300 blade just because of trusting themselves and getting that know-how. And I think, you know, um, I'm focusing on that more myself now. Let's just put it that way. Interesting. I remember there was an old, I think it was a older Christian song, one of those kind of like story songs about mm-hmm. the, uh, the uh, master taking an old beat up violin and playing it, you know, so sweetly, like it, it's the master, right? It's not the, right. it's not the tool. And, and nice tool. You know, you said, Tools you are said, cool. Knives right. are great. But, but if you don't have them. any skill, it doesn't matter what knife you have. Yeah. And using them is fun yeah. too. And and yeah. for me, watching the fun other people yeah. use them. And, and you know, when you say ex- excellence at stuff too, um, I'm not really that great at any of these, you know, little side projects I do. If people can say, oh, you're a great designer and all that stuff too. And um, I won't, I won't dispute them on that. It's because, uh, you know, who doesn't want to hear that? But like, it doesn't take much to put your own spin on, um, you know, why things work out there. So I could be like, man, this, this cheap, you know, knife is, is really, really cool. But gosh, I'd love to see, you know, this function with like more primitive looking stuff and, and, and a different package to make it really work. And instead of trying to find like the one answer and get become like a black belt Schloid wood carver, you know, I'm still just having fun carving, you know, whittling sticks and, 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 um, stuff along that line. So when you pick up a knife, and you go out to do all this survival stuff or, or practice or, or even present, you know, things. Um, don't think that you have to do it this way and you have to become a, a certain person that's perfect at it. Because no matter what you do, there's always going to be a better designer like Ken Onion or, or Jesper Voxenis, um, to name like a billion. Um, there's always going to be a better carver um, like, like Yodge. Um, I can't say his last name because I haven't had enough coffee, but if you go on Mora's <laughs> YouTube site, um, mm-hmm. he's Jorge Stevenson. His father was, or Sunquist, William Sunquist was his father. Swedish carving techniques is a book on hmm. YouTube. Mora has some of his knife grips. He's an excellent carver, but I can make some of those knife grips work now because I've learned from him. So don't try and become the best. Have fun learning with it. That's good. You've mentioned actually a lot of books, and I've got a couple of books that are just basic whittling skills, taking you from like zero experience to uh, some proficient, some really nice proficiency. So mm-hmm. you know, make sure guys that you grab the show notes over at ultimatesurvivaltips.com and just click the podcast tab, and there's a tab there for show notes. You can print the sure. PDFs out. So yeah, we'll get we'll get those links in the notes, and we'll we'll share that. Uh, <laughs> So, Joe, let's let's talk a little bit about Bushcraft Global, sure. the adventures, and and maybe specifically just focus on uh, what you've got going on when. So, if people are interested, I think you've wet a lot of appetites for the uh, Global Bushcraft Symposium for people that can make it, and uh, Bushcraft Global having having done a trip, uh, you and I need to talk. I yeah. need to hop in on one in the next year or so. Uh, Dan's uh, coming you. on his seventh. Okay. <laughs> and now um, I'm going to have to start. It's getting anyway. Well, Bushcraft Global, we can go right into that. But, yeah, go uh, right into uh, it. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, we got we got uh, like half of the people are repeat or third time people now. Um, it's It's been doing really well. Guys, Bushcraft Global is a survival vacation now. Um, you can make it as hard as you want or as easy as you want. Um, if you want to do a tough mutter, uh, I can just tell Alberto, uh, the Yakuna tribesman, to go at his normal pace when you're out there looking for different stuff to make crafts 
if you want to hang out by a fire and, uh, um, you know, sip coffee or whatever the entire time and whittle, you can do that. Um, but people, you know, I have a, up... I have a dream to spend a week with Alberto just making stuff. Yep. I'll tell you about that. Backpacks in a and stuff there's, like that. There's yeah. so much stuff that's been blowing up. That's just one at this little vacation trip is a 10 day to 15 day trip is just one aspect of what Bushwrap global has now become. Okay. Um, and it's a life changing trip guys. I just email me about it. I, I know what I got now. It's, um, I, I know it sounds very, very cocky, but like, uh, the tribe that I'm working with, the Matisse tribe, they're literally from one year to another changing. Um, for instance, last year, uh, uh, they brought pink bands and I'm like, what are you guys doing making pink bands out of cotton? Oh, the tourists like them more. And so I had to like, go talk to the guys. Hey, everybody grab the natural stuff. And if you want to grab what you guys want, but I'm going to buy every single natural thing and tell them to stick to that. Um, because we like it more and honest to God, that helps them, you know, keep some of those skills. But we've had a great relationship with them. It's gotten better. They've gotten way better at teaching now. David, they make their own knives. Um, We bring knife blades out to the jungle, and everybody on the trip makes their own knife blade handle from the stuff out in the Amazon jungle. The Matisse were like, hey, we want to try and make a kuksa, which is a sipping cup. We want to try some of your bushcraft skills, and they do their own thing. So it's a great amalgam of the different skills, plus the other tribes are there too. Um, um, and, and they're doing a very good job. They're actually better than the Matisse at showing how to make stuff like Alberto um, or now some of the other tribes that have jumped in. What is his uh, tribe? Lacuna? Is that Lacuna um, or His is Yukuna. We have Yukuna, the Huitoto tribe. The, okay. um, um, oh gosh, how many do we have now? This is, they're going to kill me. Um, they're not going to listen to this podcast. The Tikuna, the Makuna, <laughs> the Huitoto, Matisse, Yukuna. Um, there's a bad really hardcore Yagua hunter I'm going to meet on this trip um, for another thing called uh, Jungle Crash. Um, so, all right. So we have the bushcraft vacation. Um, I can mm-hmm. tell you guys more about that. Um, you guys make traps. You go fishing. You go after animals, conservation-based. Um, you do get to uh, eat fish and other animals that we harvest, um, um, but it's life-changing. Uh, guys have, that are on it have been on the cover of National Geographic. Legit stuff. Um, and, and working with the tribes to be as respectable to them as possible. Now Bushcraft Global is opening up a knife making class. So you go down and hang out with Gorn of Tan and Boca Knives. Um, You make a knife for three days, um, underneath his house in his forge, three or five Mm -hmm. days, depending on when Gorn rebuilds his forge, because he just had another hurricane or monsoon go through and screw all the stuff up. Let me just jump in here real quick. Um, we did do a series of videos. I think there were six mm-hmm. in uh, 2016. And, you know, I just because it's interesting, I showed the harder core part. And uh, you were like, oh, I don't know. It, it's, it's not that it's, you know, it's not that it's hard. Not. But we you, haven't you gotten know. anybody from the video. <laughs> six videos. Not one person has come, but everybody <laughs> has come when we did the hey, guys, guess what? If you want to have an extreme but chill adventure. Come on down, and we and that's actually been a lot better because everybody's just like Joe. This has changed my life. I don't know this what I'm going to do. Not yeah. coming back. It is. It is actually yeah. really. But true. he got to go. We had to put him through the ringer, though. He had to do all the really hard hiking. You, and sometimes we have those trips. Are you talking about me? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. All, all of the uh, what the uh, getting stung by the the tr- like the traditional stuff. You guys were like, hey David, come on here, shoot a video of this. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but we do we do have a. I think we have a clip in there. 
yeah. of uh, around Goran's place. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's blown that's up. That's really cool. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Making a knife with Goran. Yeah. As a maker, I've really um, I tried to uh, uh, help, you know, nurture him, which he doesn't need help. He's an amazing dude. You saw his house. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, bring him into the market more. He's going to be doing some designs with Condor, but he's gotten much better even since then at making knives and explaining how to make them. You go down there, you make a knife with this guy in the middle of the jungle, barely any power tools. Then for three or four days in a very um, uh, relaxed in, in, um, area, we take you to an area of the jungle where you test out the blade. And we show you some oh, basic bushcraft oh nice. okay. skills. Great. You might have to make a fishing pole or make a spear and go after fish. You'll have to clean the fish with the knife. You'll have to do a lot of the foraging stuff, which is a Monday to them, the most extreme stuff in the world to us in some instances. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's one thing. Um, we've had some very, very big YouTubers come down um, on private trips. I'm fixing now for uh, stuff. So uh like, you know, 4 million subscriber YouTubers, 6 million subscriber YouTubers have come down and filmed on the property. Nice. Um, I'm starting to do that a lot more myself now. We tried to have help with other people, but we realized, holy crap, we're, um, we know what we're doing down there now and we're blowing people's minds. The guys who uh, are doing these big YouTube things um, are coming back again because they're like, we've never seen anything like this. And now we're getting more comfortable doing stuff. We just set up a giant uh, uh, bamboo pool for one YouTuber, you know, with the house and hut set up. Um, and, and also, uh, there's a big balance of this with family. You know, um, uh, David, you know, I can't be out, of, out in the jungle all the time or else, uh-huh. you know, I could come home mm. and, and wife not happy. And you know how that goes. Happy wife, happy life. So mm-hmm. um, my, my uh, second in command, a person who I work with, um, my guide, Peter of uh, Peter Magnum Ventures, he uh-huh. um, also um, goes down there and, and handles some of these fixing opportunities. Uh, so that's been coming up. We are putting together some new courses. Uh, jungle, what the heck are we calling this one? Oh. <laughs> um, jungle Predator. Uh, it's where just two people go out in the jungle with the most hardcore Yagua or other representatives of tribes. We have to, I have to go meet the people and, and get a sense, you know, in the tribe of, of who, who can do what, but, um, I really trust Gordon. And he's like, you got to meet this guy. So the idea is a, um, extreme ultralight foraging trip, um, where we bring much less gear, go on much harder terrain. Um, very similar to some of the terrain that you went through on your trip. Um, mm-hmm. and go on a foraging expedition, whether it's animals, moving or or uh, uh um plants and stuff all within conservation base and we're following all the rules guys sorry i'm a zoology major it's what i do um but uh we're, we're doing hunt um uh hardcore you know challenge trips uh down there with them for like seven days or ten days so you just crash through the jungle with these guys and make your you make uh you know your your uh huts and very very minimal equipment shetty mosquito net you know we might even not have tarps we'll make our own tarps that's coming up. Um, nice. Some really hardcore groups are very interested in that. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, just uh, a lot more stuff. Some I can and some I can't talk about, but um, um, lots of really cool opportunities that have kind of enveloped from this wonderful uh, thing that was the very first Bushcraft Global uh, trips. That's awesome. Dude, so we are... We are almost out of time. Let's cool. uh, let's just have you talk a little bit more about the Bushcraft Symposium, Bushcraft Global, how people can connect with that. And then I have one final question. 
Okay. Hey, David, did you notice how I'm like pausing sometimes and letting you talk? You're, you, yeah. And you said my Isn't name that weird? Times, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to learn this stuff. Oh, I mean, they don't just want, you know, a, a fully caffeinated Joe ranting for. You know. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, you don't learn this stuff through osmosis. Um, you know, mm, there are a lot of true. people who, who are better at this than, than I am. And, and I've met them over at the symposiums. Um, and at the 2019 symposium as an American, it was incredible to meet and hear some of the very similar stories that I, that I had from people all the way from Scotland and, 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 uh, uh, uh all the way from Canada, UK, Scotland, uh, uh Sweden, um, Netherlands, everywhere and, and listening to their stories. And, um, that was one of the big things that I gleaned from the last symposium. When you're able to get out of your bubble, uh, it's almost, you may not even know that you wanted to be inspired more, but it was so inspiring coming back from that and, and listening to Paul Kirtley's talk on the state of bushcraft in the industry and how YouTube and, and Instagram and all that has affected it and how like, uh, you know, all the biggest names, like I remember Paul going all these giant names in YouTube and, and all that, everybody, this was an open invite thing. None of them are here. And I just, it was like, oh my God, it was such a gold mine of information to mm -hmm. know. And I mm -hmm. barely even gleaned it. And I was like, I have to make this symposium happen no matter where it is. I got, you know, it was just incredible. It helped me, you know, put me on my path of, of, of not worrying about, you know, small stuff and just doing what I like. Cause I'm seeing these other guys from these other countries do it at the symposium. Um, and that's what I'm really excited about when I'm going to the Global Bushcraft Symposium 2022. Um, there's going to be already this commodity, commodity of people who know what, what they got from the last uh, symposium. And, and it's just incredible to see that. Plus, there's, there's these theme camps. And each one of them is a godsend because they are from people who really know their stuff, David. Um, like there's a theme camp with Julia Kaltoff. Julia Kaltoff is important um, because she's like basically a Swedish um, axe. Um, I, I would call her like a, a, a guru, even though she's very young. She knows a lot about the industry. She used to be the president of Wetterlings. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, as things do, things change and, and she started her own company um, where she's carving axe handles and she's become an artist at carving handles and she has her own carving axe. And you can take a carving handle axe class from her and learn about the ergonomics of working a tool. Inspiring. I was there at the last one in 2019. And I took this um, birch bark knife sheath making class where you're using birch bark, um, which you can actually pick up sometimes in front of like Burger King because it's actually all over the U.S. as an ornamental. Um, and weave it into a certain um, a style of uh, sheath which I'm not that very good at, but I can do it. Um, but I learned it from Bushcraft Danmark, Danmark, Bushcraft Danmark. And I was looking at this stuff and he's like, Joe, why are you like here so much? And I'm like, I can do this in the Amazon with jungle stuff. And he's like, wow, that's really cool. And I'm like, can, can, you know, it's like, well, I didn't invent this sheet thing. I was like, yeah, but you're the one who taught me this. And I wouldn't have thought that at the last global bushcraft symposium, I met Peter who's now my like go-to medic. And, and, and one of my fellow guides on the trips and the person who's going to be guiding people on the trips that I can't do, just as jovial of a guy as I am, 
and he's someone who I trust. He's already treated me for scorpion bites. Um, he's already put together, you know, like trips. And this was just, this was just five days last time, David, in, in Canada. And, and, you know, I brought my, my condor stuff and, and tops and, 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 um, oh, for instance, here's another thing. Um, Les Stroud, uh, um, you know, he's an acquaintance of mine. I'm not always like buddy, buddy, you know, like talking with Les, Hey dude, what's up? But, um, we've had a, a good relationship over, over the years. And, um, he came as one of the speakers to the 2019 symposium. And I pulled Les over cause we always chit chat cause I'm friends with him and Hele. And I'm like, Hey dude, what do you think of these knives? Um, cause I'm really good friends with LT. Uh, LT Wright Knives, um, mm-hmm. a great um, American maker. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I was like, well, I'd like you to meet him because I'm a really good, uh, he's a really good friend of mine. And I think um, you'd appreciate what what uh, uh, he does. And so they now have uh, kind of um, got some new big knives. It came out with a really big machete that I'm pretty fond of. And that was just one of the small little connections at the Global Bushcraft Symposium 2019. Um, <laughs> and there that's was so really, many people. That's, that's oh, really man. good. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what I would have done without it. And I know it sounds like I'm gushing, even though I'm on the board, but I'm just being <laughs> honest with you guys. These are all that happened at the last one. And I've never been to England. Um, so I'm dying to go there for this one. Um, the sad part is, honestly, another show called The Bushcraft Show, which is um, like Blade Show, um, mm-hmm. uh, made it right at the same time. And I was really banking on going to both this year, but I, I had to... Um, Sadly, I, I had to choose one, so um, uh, I'm, I, I wanted to go with the symposium because I know all the hardcore, amazing, real deal people you'll meet there, um, and it's not like they're unapproachable. I mean, you could walk up to Larry Dean Olson and have him or or David Westcott sign, you know, their books. Mar- Morris Kahansky, you could talk with him back when he was alive for like 20 or no, it's Morris. Anybody who knows Morris will not t- say I'm talking smack. When I say you go up there to have a 10 minute conversation, it's like two hours long because he's that cool. But like we I actually had him, again. we actually had him on the podcast uh, right before the last one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did and I, it was I like remember. that? Yeah. Did I help make that happen? I can't even remember. You did. Yep. Awesome. You did. I got a new yep. hashtag. It's called It's Been Joed. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and tell people uh, before learn, we get out of yeah. here how how they can connect with bushcraft global like you okay. have a website i'm assuming and i'm assuming yes. there's a uh global bushcraft symposium i'm not assuming i actually looked it yeah. up so uh tell them tell them how to find that and how to find you okay so um the global bushcraft symposium 2022 if you put it in google it's uh there um it, you you can go there uh, um, you have the different prices and different tier setups. Um, you can see what, what it is, but I'm telling you, you don't know unless you go, uh, people think it's like, oh, you can only go there if you're some austere group, you know, special forces guy, anyone can go, anyone can go, David, anybody can go there. Um, it's just, you know, some people don't want to fly to England. That's very understandable. Um, my website is bushcraftglobal.com. Got all these words with bushcraft in them in <laughs> global. It's kind of confusing, guys. Sorry. Bushcraftglobal.com. I uh, updated it during COVID. Um, I still need to update it again. But honestly, I'm out there cutting stuff, guys. We're getting full things. People um, know what I do and how to make stuff happen. So I'm not that worried about that because a lot of huge stuff has happened just with the connections um, I've made. And I know that sounds you know, a little bit like I'm, um, um, like I said, like uh, talking about myself too much, but it's honestly like I could sit there and worry about my website 
but I'm going to go have a lot more fun showing my kids how to make a fuzz stick in a little bit. That's important too. So yeah. bushcraftglobal.com, Instagram, nice. I finally hit 10K. I don't know what that means, but it probably means I'm going to be under a shadow ban or something. But uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. gotten better on Instagram too. You know why? Why? I started having fun with it. Instead of going, I have to have an right. ISO 200 right. perfect picture of a condor knife. I'm like, hey guys, check out this dead animal I found. People like it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. You got me thinking about all that, Joe, because I've kind of stepped away from a lot of social media. Well, yeah, you do. You have to sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it's because it's because I made in some ways I made things complicated for myself. And I had I had standards that were so high that, you know, it's hard to sustain that at a certain point. Yeah. Especially when you have a couple gear brands and you have the podcast and, you know, right. I mean, you start and, an organic farm. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, I think, but having fun when, is important. I got to yeah, make I it fun again. Yeah. It's the most, most important. Actually, I think for me, of course, cause I'm super like, I'm just a big kid nerd. I think having fun is, is the most um, in, important part to get reinvigorated. And there mm-hmm. is no answer for anybody trying to figure out how to make a business and in 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 bushcraft and all that stuff too if you guys knew like the real finances you could become a thousand air thousand air you know there is no real answer to make it work and if there isn't no if there is no real answer um then to me i was like all right i'm just gonna have fun again and then go from there and 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 make sure that that i'm on the path of of making sure that you're having fun with your family and making sure that you're having fun in your business too. And I think that's at least my values. That's it's what worked for me, but I'm insanely positive a lot of times. So that also helps. It's really good. I was going to ask you what your final thoughts are, but let's call, let's call that yeah, your final thoughts. It. Cause that was great. That was perfect. <laughs> Joe flowers, my friend It's so good to connect with you. It's been too long. Uh, let's not, let's not take so long. Let's have you back again, maybe in a couple sure. months, uh, catch up. Sure. We can do a with, couple uh, weeks too, just depending on when weeks. I'm in country. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's sounds, easy for me to great. do this as filler. Um, so you can have a backup so you can have some fun times during December when you're with your kids during Christmas and just put up a, Oh, Joe and I ranted for an hour. Here it is. Nice. Next time I'll, f- <laughs> next time I'll figure out how to do a video cast too. And we'll, we'll get that all squared away too. And then we can post it other places. No, no so problem. Joe, appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Love your energy. Um, I've, I know for me personally, I've got some takeaways, especially, cool. uh, you know, some of the things that became not fun. Uh, just maybe making those fun again, figuring out how to how to make that happen. So I, I appreciate everything. Appreciate your wisdom. Dude, thank you so much. <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> wisdom, energy. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope everybody has a collective roll of eyes when they when they heard that part, please. <laughs> but thanks. All right, man. Thank you. All right, everyone, before we head out of here, I'd like you to do three things to help us out and help others learn what they need to do now before a society-altering event or disaster strikes. First, pay it forward by sharing our family-friendly content with the ones you love directly and on social media. And please go give us a five-star rating and honest review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you for doing so. Second, go over to our mothership, ultimatesurvivaltips.com, and check it out. There's lots of free survival, bushcraft, and prepper content, like my weekly survival EMAG newsletter. Plus, you can jump into my tiny survival masterclass and grab some of my exclusive gear, like MSK1 knives, tiny survival, and first aid guides, 
And, and check this out, you can go over there and build your own pocket survival kit with my exclusive DIY Build-A-Kit app. And while you're there, don't forget to click on the podcast tab to get the show notes PDF with links to the things we discussed today. And one last thing, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's not too late to add another layer of defense against a possible food crisis this year by adding a home freeze dryer to your preps. So you can start stockpiling your summer leftovers and garden produce and putting them away for up to 25 years. Just click on the freeze dryers tab at the top of our website at ultimatesurvivaltips.com to get free shipping on your own home freeze dryer and a ton of other bonuses today. Okay, everybody, I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Until then, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.